0: .NET Rocks episode 832 with guest Ward Bell, recorded live Monday, November 26th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering GesturePack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Hey, San Francisco, it's at Rocks! <laughs> Awesome. Great to be here in San Francisco. And really, we are in the city. We're we are downtown. We're GitHub. GitHub. What this, a great place this is. Yeah. GitHub! Come yeah. on! This is the best place in the world to work. They have a bar. They have a bar. <laughs> it's a simple couches thing. Couches and yeah. tables well, with s- power adapters under them. It's set up almost like a like a, a coffee shop. Yeah. Right? Just tables and chairs. They always have outlets. But they won't kick you out for just sitting there and using the Wi-Fi. I guess. Big difference. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Hey, uh, Ward Bell is here in all his Bootsy Collins glory. (laughs) Yeah. But before we introduce Ward, we have a little business to do. And Richard, for me, that means better know framework. All right, sir. What do you got? Well, today I have a blog post. Oh. That was just so interesting. I have, you know, I haven't followed up on it, but it's from October 2012. And if you go to tinyurl.com/tswebapi, ts ts, and uh, this is FlipW's uh, web strathweb is mm-hmm. blog, and this article says use Web API as a dynamic runtime TypeScript compiler. What? Think about that for a second. That's pretty Web cool. Web API is a dynamic runtime TypeScript compiler. And so, he shows you, he's really excited about TypeScript. And, uh, you know, the idea is, instead of compiling TypeScript manually each time you change anything, we'll let Web API handle this for us using a custom media type formatter. Wow. So, you you know, uh, he shows you how to do it. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And, you know, it may be a little bit of a parlor trick. But uh, it sounds it's an interesting way to think. It's just a different way to think. Yeah. Exactly. So I encourage you to read that Strathweb, cool. and that's again at tinyurl.com/slash/tswebapi. Awesome. Richard, who's talking to us? Uh, I took a comment off of show 820 with Udi
2: Jahan That's the one we did in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Yeah. And the, that's the beginning of the third leg of the road trip, right mm-hmm. after Sandy and all that excitement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this, you know, uh, Udi talked about CQRS and Agile. And remember, there's a whole discussion around how much more powerful code reviews were over unit tests. Mm. And there's some controversy around that. Not everybody agreed with him.
1: You know, they certainly had ideas.
2: And he put up some data on this. But here's a comment from Tony. Tony says, another great show. And as some other commenters have mentioned, I am going to touch on the unit testing topic. Let me first say thanks to Udi for posting links to the research. I'm a big proponent of code reviews. Although I have called them other things and worked them into various companies I have worked at. My current company does no code reviews nor unit testing. This is a disappointment. Yes. Yeah. Myself and a fellow that I've worked with at another company are attempting to informally introduce code reviews. I do not think they need to be in step with the process enforced on people, as one line code change may not need it, but a ten line code change would. So I've been working with coworkers to ask them to do a spot check on my code and asking if they need to review any of their code to discuss. That's great. You know mm-hmm. that he's putting his code forward first and saying, Will you look at this? I think that's a a great way to tackle it. This has opened them up to code reviews without it being forced on them. I think unit tests are valuable. The biggest issue I have with what and how unit tests are being done is the fact that the developer who is coding the feature is also coding the unit test. Mm. So, 90 to 95% of the time, the unit test will allow the code to pass even if there is a bug in the code. That bug would have been caught if another set of eyes had taken a look at the code. There does need to be a balance. But as one of the other commenters said, human involvement is the key. Absolutely. Hey, Tony, you know, there was a bunch of comments on Udi's show along these lines. I liked yours the best. That's why I read it. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the show at .NET Rocks.com.
1: And before we can go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight offers comprehensive developer training online. They have over 350 courses authored by industry experts, MVPs, and people such as appear on our show. They uh, put out uh, 10 to 15 new shows a month and uh, all sorts of topics, including just about everything on the Microsoft stack, JavaScript, Java, HTML5, CSS, uh, just about anything that you can think of. They have videos on how to do it, including Windows 8. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month. Go to Pluralsight.com. And with that, let us give a big GitHub welcome to Ward Bell. Ward, what is your title? Are you the senior technology guy at IdeaBlade? Is that... Uh, I don't think senior. Do well, uh, you mean my age? Because <laughs> yeah. I, in that respect, I am indeed the, the senior. Uh, not, a, I'm just a technology guy and founder the, of the company. You're yeah. the guy. So, uh, you, you were making faces like you had something to say about our commenter Uh, about the comment? And Udi's uh,
2: whole... That whole conversation... Did you listen to that show? I listened to that show uh,
3: as I listen to many of your shows. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I'm a big Udi fan and uh, I... I love how he'll drop those little bombs in there. Sort of a, toss okay. that just out just there. toss that one in there. Don't worry there. about unit testing; just do code review. Yeah, except that it was—it's a, a false dichotomy because we need them both. Okay. Uh, we and, and we can't expect the same things from both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without the tests, uh, for example, we iterate. Uh, Often we we probably push our code several times a week mm-hmm. out to the to the the public and God help them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but we do have tests and we use those for regression tests. And right. every time we like switch from one plugin to another, we want to run those same sets of tests to see if they work on the old plugin. And yeah. it's really reassuring. So it's you know it's not tests are great for that. Uh, and I don't see anything wrong with the idea that the developer writes his own tests. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but it's not the same thing as finding out whether what you're doing makes any kind of business sense, makes any kind of application sense. Right. And I it's in that sense that the code reviews are an opportunity for the two people to talk about whether they're meeting objectives.
1: And I don't think I heard Udi say, don't do unit testing. He didn't say that, but, but, uh, but it was an interesting bit of research, um, I I think I may have even made a comment that, you know, your, your tests could pass, but if they're doing the wrong thing, then you know that you're doing the wrong thing correctly. (laughs)
3: <laughs> exactly. And it's also not clear when he was saying that, how did he know that one set of outcomes were better than the other? What, how was he measuring that? Right. Was it uh, code failures? Because that's not what you're going to get really in a code mm. review. What you're going to get in a code review is, is a, a realization that maybe you're not doing what you wanted to do. Right. Well,
2: I think the big thing happens with another pair of eyes, and I think that's what he was alluding to, yeah, was yeah. that you catch more bugs when another pair of eyes gets on, on that, that code while it's still in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest thing that I've learned doing these projects for years now is that the sooner you can address the problems in your code, the number of minutes from when you wrote it to when you fix it, goes. That, that as that time goes up, cost goes way up. It gets harder, you know, by the two days, three days later, it could be anybody's code. It's out of my head. I don't remember it anymore. So, all, any mechanism that can get problems caught early while I still remember what I was thinking and why and how I wrote it decreases the time to repair it.
3: Now, the, the, the thing about this is that, that in reality, how many code reviews do you actually see getting done out there? I mean, we all promised each other that we would do it. Mm. Um, it's painful. It, it's painful and everybody's got something else to do. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. Wasn't pair programming supposed to be the continuous, right. continuous code, code review, review. Yeah. process? Uh, I, I, every time I pair with somebody, I wonder why I don't do it more often. Yeah. I don't do it as often as I should. I don't know about you guys.
2: Well, it's hard to get two people in the same place at
1: the same time with the same problem. Uh, I, yeah, I think, i've always produced better software though when there's another person looking over my shoulder it's just that simple yeah yeah we just don't
2: do it and and i i don't think our bosses are going for it the folks that are paying the bills just look at it and go you're not doubling my productivity and i think they're wrong i think you do mm-hmm. but on
1: the paper on paper it doesn't look like you it's double. It's more insurance don't you think then i agree double in productivity it's it's more like insurance policy. You
3: well, do. I think it's even more that. I don't know about you, but I get flights of fantasy when I'm busily coding by myself. <laughs> and I can waste hours of company time no. exploring. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> I know people who can waste hours of time exploring some alley, some byway. With yeah. If somebody had spent one second looking over my shoulder and said, where are you going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, there are huge cost savings in doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's not caught when you just sit there and say, oh, two people? That costs more than one person. Right, right.
2: And I think there's also, you know, getting back to the whole uh, uh, project management side of how much it costs to repair bugs further down the line. And, And it's very hard to measure the cost you didn't pay because you caught the bugs early with a second pair of eyes. You know, I mean, I don't know how you could actually prove that. Have the program written twice by two different teams with two different practices. Would that, did, is anybody going to do that? Uh, I don't know, but you could measure by how much code we had to throw away of mine that uh.
3: was just so stupid <laughs> that anybody
2: could have picked it
1: up and said, what are you doing? You just do a search
2: for WTF in the comments. Just look at my check-ins. Just check, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you just back out all your check-ins, the code will run better. Is that it? <laughs> okay. Do
1: you do uh, testing on the JavaScript side, Ward? Uh,
3: very thoroughly. As a matter of fact, um, we, since we don't have the compiler to test for us, uh, which, which is kind of a plus, I like Outlook for, co- I don't know about you guys, but that's some of my best code. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, thoroughly, um, regularly, JavaScript is saving our butt. Uh, just, sorry, um, not JavaScript isn't. Testing of JavaScript mm-hmm. saves our butt mm. uh, all the time. I, uh, uh, I don't know how we would go forward without it. And we're also using it in a different way in this thing I'm going to talk to you about uh, which is we're using it to teach people how the product works Hmm. Uh, testing isn't just about does it work it's also how does it work and it's a great way for people to discover how the API is doing things how you might use it uh, uh, in part because you can see somebody actually doing it and the discipline of tests requires it but also because they can say well you know okay so I want to try this condition and they take the test Mm -hmm. and Uh, go in there and maybe make a copy of it and, and change some of the inputs or change some of the behavior and say, how did you do that? And through that, they discover how the product actually works. So, so We're doing that, Uh, all of our documentation, not all of our, a lot of our documentation points very specifically to regions of of QUnit test code, so you can go in there and see it for yourself and not just read it on the page.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, it, it also seems like a new guy coming into the development team could get up to speed very quickly by looking at the tests, more than the source code. I, th-
3: I think so. I mean, you know, your eyes go blind looking at, at te- uh, just reading code. Right. Well, you're, some trying people to st- do.
1: you're trying to figure out what the hell is this for, you know? Well, right. But when, when it says should turn
3: left when the light goes yeah, on, right. you know, <laughs> you can say, I was I was thinking about turning left. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you can find it. Mm. All right. We got to talk about the. We've You've talked all the way around the product without talking about the product. What's the product? The product is called Breeze and you can get it
3: at uh, BreezeJS and it's free and it's open source and it's at GitHub. Ah, hello everybody right. github
2: here for github
3: isn't I mean that's the only respectable place to be if you're an open source project yeah. sure uh, and uh, what it aims to do is is help the person who's trying well let, let's start let's back up the presumption is that you are a uh, programmer of an application that is heavy in JavaScript and HTML, that you are what's called a
2: SPA programmer. Right. We, uh, uh, we had John on not that long ago talking about single-page applications, SPA. Single-page apps or Java, heavy JavaScript clients.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and we should probably kind of identify a couple of the distinguishing features of that. For, for sure. sure. Uh, but if you are an applic- a business application developer in particular, you're used to having data. Uh, and business data and the complex, you know, customers' orders, uh, products, details, and things like that. And you want to present that stuff. In, and if if you're a client side developer with that, you have certain needs to get. You have needs to get that data. Mm-hmm. You have needs to hold that data as you move from screen to screen. But you're not going back to the server now, right? You're staying home. You're just re-rendering the div, you, essentially. You, uh, yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. you're using different... Te- so, the experiences of pages being changed, mm-hmm. but the as a practical matter, you're staying home right there on the client. Mm. So, you've got to have the same data that's appearing on different pages in different guises in different ways. Right. So, how do you get that data? How do you hold that data locally? How do you uh, track the changes to it? Dirty tracking. How do you save it back? Mm-hmm. Uh, and only the things that have changed. How do you do validations? You were going to do validations validations on the server you're still going to do it but you'd like to be able to bring some of that down so that the user realizes they've made a mistake before you go back to the server Mm -hmm. The server goes "Eh," right so these are the set of problems these data management problems that are in support of a spa application Mm -hmm. in support of that kind of user experience and we provide the kind of plumbing that's necessary to make that happen
1: okay such as, so there are some several categories of uh, ways in which we can get help from Breeze. Yeah, I got to think the caching piece has got to be an um, important
2: bit. Just hanging on to data between re renders. Exactly. Um, I
3: mean, it, well, the first thing is, how would I even get it in the first place? Mm. Now, if we were regular desktop programmers or even web programmers with line of sight to the database, yep. we would just what would you do? You'd write a link query, go get yep. it. Go get it. Right. Uh, but we're not. We're at the other end of the uh, wire and we can't see the database. Uh, well, wouldn't it be nice to write a linkish type query in JavaScript to go
2: get that? Now you're just talking crazy talk.
3: Yes, we are talking crazy (laughs) talk here and you can do it no less. Uh, so. Is that an OData query syntax or is? Yes, it looks like OData query syntax going over the wire. And that's a part of OData that that a lot of people like. They don't necessarily yeah. like all the rest of it, but mm-hmm. they like that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So on the server, you have an IQueryable maybe coming out of the Web API. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we have like if this is a .NET thing, we have some extra glue there. I want to be clear that Breeze is really about the client side JavaScript development experience, right? Mm but it works pretty nicely if you're a .NET developer and you have certain things going on Web API on, on the, the back end. Web API on the back end is really nice. Mm-hmm. So we'll take that OData query stuff, and if your service method that you've said I want to apply it to is an iQueryable, we'll construct the iQueryable for you nice. and then nice. execute it. All right, so now we have a set of data down on the page. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, now that's an interesting thing. The stuff came over the wire, yep. right? It's just like raw data. What do you do with it? How do you know what to do with it? Mm-hmm. Well, one solution is you could sit there on the client and take each of those bits of data and shove them into an object of your own creation. Yeah. Yes. Because that's fun. That's so much fun. <laughs> that's the that most fun thing about is it, programming. Isn't it? I love mm. mappers, don't you? I love yeah. making DTOs. That just yeah. is the best. Um, and oh, by the way, you're going to do something with that object when you get it on the client, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to bind it to a UI. Yeah. Right. Maybe you're going to use Knockout, knockout. Mm-hmm. or Angular. Or mm-hmm. backbone, you're going to do something. Mm-hmm. But in order for that, that thing to interact with the, um, with, with the HTML with, through this binding framework, it has to meet the needs of that. Right. Sure. So maybe it has to be a, a knockout object or an Angular object. Mm-hmm. Well, what Breeze can do is it can say, you know what? You know what that thing looks like. Send the metadata down over the wire and Breeze will construct the type for you on the client. So you don't have to write it. So you do the mapping. We do the mapping for you. And not only do we do that, but we make, you say, oh, I think I want to use knockout. Boom. It's a knockout
2: object. Ready to go.
3: Okay. It's a backbone object. Oh, it looks like a backbone object. Mm -hmm. Whatever it happens
2: to be. So, am I actually doing the data access? I'm doing the data call through breeze and telling it what sort of object I want coming back.
3: Uh, you do that in effect mm-hmm. by uh, identifying a service method on the, on, in the Web API controller. Okay. Mm. You, now, you might have called that customers, and in which case, that's what you're going to get. Right. Mm. Um, but yes, that's, that's what you do. You just pick that guy out, and then what happens is the stuff comes over the wire, and Breeze looks at it and says, I wonder what this stuff is. <laughs> do I recognize anything here? If I recognize it, if I recognize it as an entity that you described in metadata... That's great. I'll make an entity out of it, make it a KO entity or something like that and mm. put it in cash. Right. Mm. If I don't recognize it, I'll just give it to you. So you can, you can send down like a projection of something. You can send down anything you want and Breeze will look in there and, and look for things it recognizes as
1: entities and hold them in cash for And normal. now, once it's in the cash, I imagine if you, your internet connection bonks. It's right You've there. got it right yeah. there. You, you
3: have it there. And uh, there are very easy methods to serialize it. So you, and then you can take that stuff and, and throw it in local uh, browser storage right. if you mm-hmm. want. Shut the thing down. Start up again. Rehydrate it. Keep yeah. going.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps? Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package, you'll find a jQuery-based toolset that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates, all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com net. That's D-O-T-N-E-T to find out more about Kendo UI, or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, Tablet Show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at thetabletshow.com, and look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. And then what's the update story? So is there a sort of a cue going out that we put stuff in and then if we have connectivity, it just magically happens or you that story? You
3: have to manage the connection. You have to realize that you've lost the connection Mm -hmm. and decide what capabilities make sense. Mm -hmm. So, maybe booking uh, seats at a concert might be out out of the question. Uh,
1: But there are other kinds of things that you can do um, that you can keep going. You're Uh, collecting data, for example. You're creating records... Absolutely, they should just go in that cache until you get in connection, and then you can.
3: That's that's right. And and boy, one of the problems with regular web programming, one one of the, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever hit that back button and lost everything? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or. Um, you know, where you press the, especially in, I, I love Windows 8, but the yeah. title bar up there, it's really easy to not know where one window is and another yeah. one is. And you hit that X and it's over.
2: Yeah. It's over. Everything you've done is gone.
3: Gone. So, what if uh, you said, I want to uh, accumulate those changes and keep saving them locally in case the app crashes, in mm-hmm. case the app goes down for that reason. All right. I could rec-
2: run out of power or the connection goes away. Whatever or it I is. have to close the screen. You know what you're talking about we'll is trying to make an off switch and yeah, make a real app out of this thing <laughs> exactly so, you know, with the biggest thing we have in webs apps is this tendency to lose work uh, just because you haven't quite finished the last step with the right button and that button work correctly everything's over start
1: over. trying on a phone where you only have a back button you don't have a forward button
2: and and
3: where tombstoning can happen anytime i anytime. pick up that call and i want to oh where'd it go there oh. did all that stuff go it's <laughs> gone Uh, And now, it's not automatic. What we do is we provide the facility for you to say either the entire cache or some selected parts of it, maybe the changes, Mm -hmm. should be um, serialized as a lump and put somewhere locally. Mm -hmm. And then you recognize when you want to bring it back. Right. And do something with it. Awesome.
1: Yeah, that's very cool.
3: So, now I got it. Yeah, I got it in cash. It's, it's ready to bind I can throw it onto the screen, it'll bind Yahoo! And by the way, I didn't spend all this time Defining what a customer is Or right. a, a product is Okay. Um, and now somebody makes changes to it Well, the entities are also Self-tracking, so they know Whether they're inserted, updated Or, or scheduled for delete mm-hmm. And so you can make a decision about When you want to save that stuff um, You can save it as immediately as you see it You can save it when An object graph is the right readiness sure. to go mm-hmm. so you get those you, you can get to make those choices one of the cool things though is it's a single method safe changes and then when you go back to the server and say who took that what did I have to write on the server to do that right did I have to write a um, uh, some gizmo there that's r- that uh, th- did I have to write a separate insert and update delete method for every type yeah or some
2: of my custom We're just button. going through that assessment of. Ugh. so what did I change you know what does this update statement need to look like exactly
3: mm-hmm. um, well uh, if you want to you can do it in a single method on the web API okay single thing called save changes sure. and, and the stuff comes in and we rehydrate it as entities ready to go where you want it to and then you can sift through it and apply your
2: validations on the server and make sure they're
3: doing the right stuff mm-hmm.
2: that's pretty darn cool we actually haven't talked through the whole validation story on this thing too because i want to catch those validations on the client as well you know as the bindings going on and mm-hmm. the changes are being made so w- what does that look like well it can start with perhaps the you know many people mark up their objects
3: on the server mm-hmm. with data component uh, whatever the heck that I never remember names.
1: contract and data member.
3: Uh, well, th- those are for serialization, but there's uh, the, the data component annotations, you know, like max length, uh, oh, required, yeah, sure. all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So we pick that up as part of the metadata and shoot that down. So we can say, write out the gate. You don't have to write that stuff. Those validations are baked in. But there might be other validations that you want to do, and you can write those and register them in the metadata for that type. So mm-hmm. I can say um, the start date has to be before the end date, you know? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might want to do that. Yeah. Uh, you think? You might. And uh, and then you can decide when that gets triggered. Does it get triggered when they enter the start date? Mm-hmm. Or do you wait until they're ready to save the entity? It automatically, by the way, runs all the validations on the client as soon as you ask it to save.
2: Yeah. But, you, but I do like the idea of, you know, tab to tab, that kind of thing. You can you do it then. Kind of, some kind of marker to just go, yeah, that's not right.
3: Uh, so we can do it on property change, you can mm-hmm. do it when the data arrive, you can do it when you save changes, you can do it at all those places or not at all, it's up to you. Uh, and, and you also get to say, you write your own validations and register. Mm-hmm. So that, you, you got a real, really decent uh, validation story there and then you just tie
2: it into the UI. So you f- the hard part about validation is actually, how do I tell the user? Yeah, and, well, and, and tell him strongly enough that he knows that it happened, but not so strongly enough that you interrupt him.
1: You know, what's really amazing is like how JavaScript, the the plumbing code is going away in JavaScript, just as it had did when the .NET framework came out, you know, from Windows, is that, you know, there's more of this plumbing stuff just coming out. And by the time you're done with it, your JavaScript that you write is all about your code. It's all about your what you intend to do, not not the plumbing guts of all of this stuff. That's what you hope for from yeah.
3: some of these libraries that are that are
1: available, and you play nice with jQuery and Knockout, as you said and angular and, and yes, and
3: uh w- there there are certain seams that we decided there there would be, mm-hmm. and one of them was uh, we don't know how you want the model. To, to you know, which of those libraries you want. <laughs> Another is we don't know what backend you want. So we talked about web API, but it could be or You could write your own. Sure. Uh-huh. We don't know what AJAX you want. So you can replace, you know, out of the box, we use jQuery's AJAX call to do mm-hmm. it, but you can use anything you want. Amplify. Uh-huh. So we picked some seams there because we... You, you know, it's hard enough to just do this one thing right. We wanted to focus on a problem set and do that well and then let you pick the other things that you want in your stack, your complete application stack, and make them play well together.
1: Nice. So, I know John Pop is really excited about uh, about Breeze. He was telling us all about it. And uh, you've, you've had a good success with the downloads and, and all that? It's it's coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to spread the word. Uh,
3: and, and so far, so good. Yes. Happy uh, customers. Happy huh? users. Well, I would I tell you, uh, <laughs> no, they they, <laughs> they hate it. But I'm So glad to be talking about it. Uh, no, I, I, you know, uh, Julie Lerman just had an article in MSDN Magazine about it. Oh, nice, great. Uh, I could put Dan Wallin on the spot. He's going to write an article about it. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, so uh, those are some heavy hitters. I think so. And yeah. Plural Sight. Um, I I hope that I'll get a chance to do one for them. But John, I know John's uh, working it into his plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great stuff.
1: Well, hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Oh, it
2: must be that happy time again.
1: It's time to give away a Telerik uh, Devcraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the Dot Rocks Fan Club. Today's winner is Jeff Vanzella from Surrey, British Columbia. Wow, my part of the world. Let's have a big hand for Jeff. <laughs> no golf clap here. No golf clap here. So, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, the Dot Rocks Fan Club has thousands of members. You can win every show. Uh, we just... Past December, we gave away some really good swag. An amazing $5,000 package and, to a lucky winner. And we'll do that every year. We'll do that next year as well. Go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, sign up. It's free, and you could win cool stuff. Like this awesome Telerik DevCraft. complete.
2: We're going to give another one away today as well. Absolutely. Because we're doing the live show. Yeah. Uh, but that's everything that, that Telerik makes for the developer. Yeah, including huge their controls. Windows 8 controls. Yeah. And yeah. The phone stuff, all that good stuff. Congrats, Jeff. I'll be back home someday yeah it's not far from me
1: no it's not yeah it's cool should invite him over for barbecue okay yeah (laughs) so Ward if you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology (laughs) oh man and then you can't get Bootsy Collins that's gonna be one of my answers you know it it's (laughs) coming you were fine till you looked at him you're gonna get the P base right you know what? He- I'm going to help you here, Carl. I'm going to put on the glasses. He's putting on the studded glasses. Yep. What would you get, man?
3: Well, I'm a simple man of simple t- tastes. <laughs> easily satisfied yep. by the very best. But the f-
2: the <laughs> fluorescent
3: pink alligator hat. I would spend <laughs> every nickel on clothes. Yeah, would. I, I absolutely would. <laughs> I, I would go to the boutique. don't College. have Do you enough reala-
2: gold lame. Yet. No,
1: yeah. no, not Do you even. you realize how weird you actually are in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously? Oh, this is... This this city
3: embraces yeah. my style. <laughs> uh, and uh, I I'm grateful for that. I'm actually kind of pleased that the .NET community has been so nice to me about it. Uh, But if you told me I couldn't buy clothes, Mm. is that what you're going
1: to tell me? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because that's a given.
3: All right. Well, um, uh, the 3D laser printer hooked up to a Kinect so that I could dance in front of it to make my creations, maybe I could use one of your Toes gadgets.
2: That's what I... That would be my second choice. Uh, connect, gesture pack, some nice computer and a 3D printer. That's it, baby. Uh, I don't so know have what I would... do. Pr- of your obscene gestures. It,
1: it, it, it would be that. Maybe I could,
2: yeah, or a go-go cage for 60s go-go And,
3: cage. you know,
1: as an art exhibit in San Francisco, that would probably be very successful. You do well. I could give up this
3: crazy world of programming for, for that. Yeah, for that. Oh, wow. Now I want can you, to... Can I, can I have it? Can, can, we, can I have that five grand? Well, I
2: guess you'll have to wait till next year. Oh! Yeah. All right, Ward. I'm trying to decide what in the world possessed you to try and write an open source library for everybody to use.
3: Right, given that we've been doing this uh, on the paid side for mm, yeah in, in our DevForce product forever, mm-hmm. uh, which is how we actually know what we're doing when it comes to this right, over right. here. Um, what possessed us? What possessed us was um, I. I guess you could blame Apple, but it killed. Silverlight. are we allowed to say that it killed Silverlight?
1: Well, you know, Silverlight wasn't actually dead. Silverlight it is, did not live up to its promise of being everywhere. No, all, you know, and Apple made sure that happened. Yeah. yeah,
2: but and Apple didn't pick out Silverlight. I think they were actually after Flash. Well, Silverlight was just a casualty along the it, way.
3: It was yeah. an innocent bystander. Yeah. I
2: don't think Steve Jobs ever said the word Silverlight in his entire life. Probably he not. said Flash a few times. Yes, very he did. nastily. Yes, he did.
3: And and Silverlight is is great. Remains great. Yeah. And and i you know i think it's a it's a perfect platform for those people who are um, feel comfortable that they can deliver
2: to a world in which silverlight lives yeah, well, yeah. Like bob mugley said it if you're going to run on an ios device this isn't for you
3: yeah right so we didn't feel we could be a- any more than microsoft did we didn't feel we could be aced out of the work that's being done uh, in mobile mm-hmm. and uh, that's cross platform sure yeah. um, so we felt uh we had to bring the same capabilities across across these platforms so we could say if you're go building a client of any kind in a dot net technology mm-hmm. we're there if you wanted to go broad uh we're there and um so we're not exactly comfortable with it being free but that's the way it is because you <laughs> yeah. cannot s-
2: it's very difficult to sell a javascript product no, yeah, it really no, is. I think it's an, an interesting point about the whole thing but I also love the idea that you're basically silverlight inspired Entirely. Yeah. yeah. you taking the things you loved about Silverlight and bringing it to JavaScript. Mm. That's kind of awesome, Awesome, it's It is. Awesome.
3: And, and who knows, it may flow back into the Windows Store app. I mean, w- w- we also have our .NET product for Windows Store app. It mm-hmm. happens to be free at the moment mm-hmm. for, uh, because we'd like to see people building there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're doing WinJS... Uh, guess what other kind of model library ought to plug right in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, breeze
2: should just drop right in there.
3: And in case you don't know what a spa is, uh, for sure, WinJS, that's HTML and JavaScript
2: on the client. Yeah. It, it, it's as spa as it gets. Yeah, sure. Well, the, uh, to, to an actual compiled executable. And this isn't a bunch of web pages anymore when you're done with it. That's right. That's kind of spooky, actually. And you don't really have a choice to
3: go back to the server to get... Um, more pages or more? Any, I mean, mm-hmm. you can go back for data, but you're not going to go back there for more code or yeah. anything like that. No, that uh, and, unless you're going to break out of the sandbox, and 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 then you're not getting uh, access to the to uh,
1: Windows anymore. Yeah. Is there any place where uh, where it breaks down, where it doesn't do the job? In other words, are there any situations that you could think of where uh, you need something more or different than uh, than Breeze for this particular problem? Uh, in a spa.
2: Maybe what we're really asking is what the spa toolkit should be. I mean, I think Breeze is part of that, but are there other pieces you have to have?
3: Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, the hardest part of building any application is building the user experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, what developers love to do is muck around in 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 the plumbing somewhat, but that's not delivering nearly as much value as what's happening on the screen, which is really super hard. Always has been. Mm-hmm. So really, what we'd like to do is have you think of Breeze as ma- very matter-of-factly just doing its bit, so you can focus on the really hard part of what screens should be there, what should be on the screen, how somebody moves from one part of the application to another, that's where you should spend your time. And you need libraries to help you there, but you really, you just need to apply yourself. Mm. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. And, there, and, and if you're spending more time thinking about the data than you are about the user experience,
2: uh, that's a terrible waste of, of time. Agreed. There was one time when UI was easy. When was that? Command line? When DOS. It was WinForms. <laughs> when, when we had the, the the Microsoft guidelines for here's where the file button goes and here's where the exit button goes and here's, you know, Visual Basic with, with WinForms, you really didn't have a whole lot of choice. It was pretty straight up.
3: It, it was and... Uh, I think they've gotten back to that. in something of a good way with uh, the design guidelines for Mm -hmm. modern UI. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Because if you're really not much of a designer, but you have to deliver a a solid experience to a a user, I think you can actually do it simply by following. Well, not simply. It's not that easy. It's not just add water and go.
2: But, man, it's a lot easier than putting together a ransom note kind of. But this is something you've been working on for your workshop, too. Just (laughs) the MVVM pattern. The, mm-hmm. the templates, mm-hmm. I think you get to an 80% case, mm-hmm. which is a lot further than a non-design folks could get. It may be boring, but people will understand it, yes. be able to move through it, get the job done. Which is what the Battleship, Battleship grade design was always boring, but you could use it. Yeah. You didn't have to love it.
1: Ward, what do you think of TypeScript?
3: I like it. Uh, I I like the idea of it. I like the experience
1: I've had of it so far. CoffeeScript, too? Are you a huge CoffeeScript fan?
3: <sighs> I I began playing... I, I loved CoffeeScript, but th- it doesn't solve the, the type safety problem that many of us are going to encounter because oh, it doesn't sure. do anything for that. And it obliges that you take on a different syntax than the JavaScript syntax, right. um, which is great if you are Rubyist's styled because yeah. that's the way it speaks. That's where right. it came from, yeah. Yeah, um uh and so I I, l- I love the idea of it. I loved my personal experience with it, but for my audience, I didn't know how to I, in all honesty tell them that they should write coffee script. Mm-hmm. So I I'm I salute them and I know for a certain community it is the right thing. For the Rails community, mm-hmm. I think they picking coffee script was a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. But for those of us from the um squiggly's uh, mm-hmm. world,
2: sure.
1: A lot of curly uh,
3: braces and strong yeah, types. Cur- curly braces is, you know, TypeScript's more amenable to that. Yeah. And with TypeScript what you get is is amazing type inference which is fantastic Mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, optional type safety. And I want to stress optional. Yeah. You, Mm -hmm. you don't lose a single bit of the power of JavaScript. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I'm an enthusiast. I will also, I also have to, you know, there's some people say, well, if you really know your JavaScript, you don't need this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Right. If you
2: really know your machine code, you know yeah, that's right. What you are you doing? Just you speak doing directly C? to the pro- to, to the processor. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Maybe it's me, but
3: I, I don't. I make in my code. There's always an implicit type. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. talking about a customer, it's a customer. All right. It's mm-hmm. not going to suddenly wake up and be a person mm-hmm. tomorrow or a dog. It's a customer. Yep. And uh, and yet I make silly type errors all the time. Yeah. And the compiler bails me out, and and going to bail me out, and that's going to cut down on a lot of the stupid stuff I do.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. It does worry me to see Anders Halsberg thinking about anything other than C-sharp. Ha! It just makes me nervous. The guy That is the heart and soul of C-sharp. And
1: if he's looking somewhere else, what does that really say? Well, it says people really like JavaScript right now. That's what that <laughs> says, I think. Well, if he can
3: um, apply himself to making our experience of JavaScript better without trying to make it other than it is. Yes. Which, which And there are many... You know there are other projects which say, "Boy, if you just write in um, a statically typed language, we'll generate the JavaScript for you." That I don't, I don't get because you're missing out on the good parts of right. JavaScript. You might, you know, if there are if you have to endure the bad parts, you might as well
2: enjoy the good parts. Right. Uh, so and yeah, you and, and that approach to building JavaScript is going to write some pretty ugly JavaScript.
3: Uh, probably. Yeah, and, and and debugging it could be a challenge. And and you know, I'm sure that's the right way for some people. Mm-hmm. There's no one way. But uh, as a guy who is not afraid of dynamic languages, I grew up on them. My first language was a dynamic—you uh, know—I had no typing in it at all. Um,
2: uh, and That was APL. That kind of oh, dates me, man, dude. Yeah, yeah. I wrote yeah. natural language programs Can you, in the APL. Could you just wow. said Lisp? We all just would have chuckled. In yeah. APL. And now we're like,
3: oh, I did Lisp too, but 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 APL was the thing. Wow. Um, and, and so, I, you know, if somebody were to say to me, oh, you know, you're just not comfortable with dynamic, Diamond I say, languages. hey, let me tell you something yeah. I made. I made my bones in that world. <laughs> mm. uh, and you know what? I, I made a lot of type errors in that world too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like everybody else Just does. like everybody else. And so, I don't mind uh, having a little help from my tooling. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I love IntelliSense. Who doesn't like IntelliSense? Mm-hmm. Wonderful
2: thing. Yeah. It's, it is good stuff. But I also think the testing frameworks and the testing approach is a big thing that's helped tame the dynamic language problem
3: yes it it does um because it, you know at least you can put some discipline in place mm-hmm. uh, to make up for the fact that the compiler is not there. Yeah, the the compiler's here, not here to save you yeah. it's not the first line of defense anymore yeah. it was never enough um but it was sure a big help mm-hmm. uh, so uh yes and and you know um uh, you, you need to write tests more in JavaScript, perhaps, than you do in C Sharp, mm-hmm. I have to say. Or but any dynamic language, y- y- I think. Yeah, but the one good thing about the, uh, it is it's actually easier to write um, automated
2: tests in JavaScript than it is in a statically typed language. Oh, well, in dynamic language in general. Right? Yep. I've seen uh, C Sharp projects that, or all the test language was Ruby. Yeah. like Because it actually lends itself much more pleasantly. So, at least if you've got to do it,
3: it's a better environment for doing it. Sure. And, and as I said, we're using it to teach stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how great is that?
1: What did you say that your original language was APL? APL. Was a, that, progr-
3: a programming language. Was that functional? Oh, absolutely. Very, yep. extremely functional. It had, um, built, uh, two operators for built-in MapReduce. Uh, uh, wow. it had a lot of these sort of Greek and funny symbols, you know, a thorn symbol for executing. Uh, I mean, it, it had a wild, uh, keyboard that you had to go by. It had a, uh, when I started, there was an, um, your, your machine was an IBM Selectric mm-hmm. with a type sphere on top I can't, you're going to have to go wow. look this up a yeah. typewriter it, it was a typewriter, 30 characters per second uh, I had an acoustic coupler, plugged that sucker <laughs> in and from college I would write the stuff and it would go uh, to New York uh, and I was like this was pretty, you know. I was pretty snazzy with this kind of uh, stuff, yeah, yeah. or that's on my dorm room. You know, I'd be throwing it out there. The sun is beaming on me. I have my acoustic coupler outside, <laughs> yeah. and thirty characters a second, hammering away from that ball, away yeah.
2: with that type sphere. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I can't debug my program because I'm
3: out of ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could happen. Yeah. And there was this big umbilical cord, like as, as big as your arm, that went down to a suitcase size thing, and right. that was the that was where the guts of it were. It was it, and it was amazing. It was amazing, but that. That was the hardware. The language was spectacular, uh, remained spectacular. Uh, the It was one of the
1: first languages on the IBM 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so, did you did, when you got into objects like everybody else, did you bring any of that functional sort of... Uh uh, gestalt with you? No, you because when I first behind? got
3: over there, but um, uh, by, by the time I got over there, it was there was probably more like C Sharp and things like that. And there mm-hmm. was in the initial versions of C Sharp, you didn't even have generics. You didn't have any kind of. It wasn't easy to pass functions around yeah. like you could in APL. So you know, just you just move on. You know, right. I, at some point
2: there were so many languages that went through my head. I just well, yeah, that the language explosion in the 80s that the Eiffels and prolog Ada and all that, that whole detonation of everyone trying to find a way to solve the object problem well uh, you know and I feel like we're in another one now trying to solve the functional problem well but it's yeah every so often you get this period where there's just languages everywhere and you lose your mind you, you do but but what's old is new again And I
3: guess so. and, and when I see it you know it just it feels good to be passing a function around again <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. In F-Sharp? Done any F-Sharp? Oh, you see, F-Sharp would have been my favorite static type language. I loved, I would have thrown C-Sharp overboard in a heartbeat. Huh. Hmm. But I have an obligation to actually work with other people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And that's killed me. You know, it's that's killed me every time. It. I have to go, you know, I have to program in what they program in. Right. Doesn't play well with others. No, it, yeah. it, you know, it's a it's a thing of beauty though. Yeah. I, I, I salute anyone who's able to set up an F-Sharp shop.
2: Yeah, really
3: I, I, I salute anybody who's able to set up a Ruby shop or any of them. Yeah. Languages are wonderful. Uh, it's just I haven't always had the luxury of a programming what your customers want you to program. That's in where you. You're, you're, that's where you are. And it's not that you hate C sharp. It's no. a nice language. No. But but uh, I you know F Sharp was much closer to my APL roots, oh, f- nice. even though even though it's not it's not static mm-hmm. uh, with the type inference and things like that, and the way in which you could smash operators together and um, and and magic happens in a single line.
2: We used to have like competitions of APL one lines. Oh yes, uh, which I'm not proud of, <laughs> but I loved it. You know. <laughs> oh, no, I've read some l- single can, lines of Lisp that I never want to talk about ever again. If you <laughs>
3: can read it, you win a prize. Oh, oh no, it, yeah. it was masterful. It was hey, did you know that one? That um, Ted Codd, who you know invented mm-hmm. yeah. the, he, relational he, database. the relational database, he wrote his first prototype in dun, da, 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 no APL. Really? APL. It was a natural, and he didn't, there was no sequel then. No, that,
2: the IBM guys put that in.
3: Uh, right. So, he, he, he was writing a natural language front end for relational stuff so that you could say it in English and it would turn into queries.
1: There was a database on the IBM PC called Q&A that had a... Uh, that had a query language that you just taught you just asked a question. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. How many how many widgets do I have in stock in my Houston office? And now it's called Siri. Yeah. Nice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's component one .NET. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package. So You bought one, you bought the other. Right spread.net from component one smarter components for smarter developers okay we have a question from the audience
2: hi uh, this is not a setup for ward at all um what do you think of using breeze on like a line of business applications serious enterprise level stuff a lot of data entry big screens with 150 fields in it kind of Kind of well,
3: um, my first reaction is I never liked any screen with 150 fields on it. Uh, so, that, I mean, that was an atrocious design that we were all used to, you know, the grid, whatever, sure. with How many columns can I put on it? Because you know the user really wants them all, right?
2: Well, but also, but it was almost like it was a... We get back to the issue we were actually talking about with the spa, which is I want to move page to page and not lose anything. When I have a customer demanding everything on one screen, it's because they don't trust me to not lose stuff. They want to see everything the whole time, and they. I think that's absolutely true. And they don't. They are not confident in what they want to look at.
1: Right. They're not confident in what their own work process is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- can you give them another question, maybe not with 150 characters? Well, no, but I, I, I
3: can I finish this one because I because <laughs> there's there's a takeaway from this, which is um, this is a great opportunity to uh, revisit. What that application was trying to do. How can I re? Uh, I don't want to say reimagine because that's been used hmm. uh, by somebody.
1: That's appropriate. Though.
3: It, yeah. it, it is. You want to you want to say you know what? I'll bet you there's a workflow. There's a there's a task. There's a set of tasks that belong naturally together, and they form a module or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the DDD guys call it a. A bounded context. Anyway, you know, build to these, build these smaller things and learn how they, how the user should move seamlessly among them and send data back and forth among Mm -hmm. them. But, you know, work on the small pieces, not mondo 200 screen things.
2: Would you say that's in multiple single page applications, multiple spas could form a much larger enterprise type application then? Uh,
3: You you could say that and you could also say that this is where the, uh, the, the single page app moniker really breaks down. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yes, the answer is yes.
1: And I, I agree, and especially in a modern app, if I was putting together an iPad app or a Windows uh, tablet app, I would want to decompose. That's my word, decompose. Take the big app, turn it into little things that can be process-based so we can go from one task at a time and uh, and make them communicate with each other. And I don't think that, I personally don't think that the spa Concept breaks down because, you know, single page application implies that it's a big box that we're trying to do everything, but they can be. Uh, modular and granular enough so that the, you can have multiples of them. Would you, you would you would use
2: it more to help your users say think about your process, think about what you're trying to do instead of I have no idea what you want, so I'm going to put 150 columns and 150 controls on the screens I'm just and give you everything. You figure it out because I don't know what you want. Where you let this spot type or the new design, modern design, show the users this is what you really want and. I, I totally agree.
3: And I also think it's an opportunity for the developer. Uh, I interview developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, know, I know you guys do. And, uh, you know, one of the, my first questions is I, I when they tell me that they had done X, I say, well, why was X important? What did X do for the business? Mm-hmm. And uh, if they can't answer that, I know they're not for me. Uh, because I don't want somebody who knows technology. I want somebody who cares about what the technology is doing uh, in a context. And how they're solving and, problems. And how they're solving Solving problems. So, so this is a great opportunity to use actually technology jujitsu here to say, uh, "Geez, we can't do it that way." So, why don't we talk about how the process is, and and maybe we can build you something that really does work. There's one other point that I think is really useful to make here, which is this: a as, as single-page app sounds like it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Mm-hmm. It actually fits very nicely into your existing uh, web assets. So maybe you have MVC and web forms, and there's this whole one ASP movement that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you don't have to throw everything all overboard and start I'm SPA or nothing. Right? No, th- there's probably a subset of the functionality that really is spa suitable mm-hmm. take that part do that and then make it seamlessly flow back and forth you know so now you're back into the whole server back to the server stream when you're outside of it and then when you get into the spa boom you stay there you work it and they get the spa characteristics and then they move out you don't have to overthrow the
2: entire app nobody's going to do that anyway no. but it, you know you're just fighting against the whole one right way mentality oh did i do that yeah, I, I'm very ashamed. Yes. Well, you're clearly
1: not the one right way, so it's mm. only fair. Another question from the audience. Well, first, I'm bummed the radio folks can't actually see Ward today, but um, oh, we took his picture. Believe yeah, me, it'll be on. It'll the, be on the show. Well, quick question here how does How does uh, Breeze work with mobile applications and stuff like PhoneGap?
3: Um, it it should work great with uh, things like PhoneGap. I I think of, um, you know it. You you build your web. If you don't need any of the specifics of the local platform, then you can get away with just doing it in straight HTML and JavaScript. But a lot of apps these days need access to the uh, to, to the, uh, the to the, the, the machinery, camera. the camera, uh, or they just want to perform better in some mm-hmm. circumstance. And uh, things like PhoneGap can can be a bridge to that. So they play they sh- they play very well together.
2: Great. So Breeze doesn't have any problem with the fact that we're running in this different context. Because in some ways, I think it would actually solve some problems that I'm able to get out, make my data calls, and and do my renderings and so forth, and and still have access to the platform through uh, a shell.
3: It's not an either-or proposition. It it doesn't even say that that's the only AJAX way you can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's part of a solution. It
0: is not the solution. Right. It's just some more glue. All right, another question. So, you know, for web apps... Uh, you know you've got your great API which I've looked at you've got knockout you've got modernizer by the time I add the three or four other things I need to do to get something done I've got a couple million lines of JavaScript now right so t- any strategies about how to manage the complexity of you know
3: yeah you know I Uh, um, I get that question, and I I appreciate that question, uh, because it does seem overwhelming. But many times, these are libraries that you you don't know and you're using for the first time, and you're naturally wary of them. Uh, I urge you to think about what you're actually doing in your .NET application, too. Every time I open up the references, it's just like pages and pages. Well, you know lines and lines and lines of DLLs in there. I have no idea what most of those things do, hmm. and that doesn't seem to disturb my sleep. But if I open up that uh, folder and it has all these JavaScript libraries in it, I start to sweat. Why am I sweating? It's because I'm not familiar with it. Right. Uh, there are millions and millions of lines behind those DLLs. We don't give them a second thought. So assuming that your question is not, oh, I'm worried about how many lines there are because it may sink the platform. I, I'm not sure if that's the, the question or it's just... Uh,
1: Big part performance, in other words, uh, a right? Uh, well, uh,
3: performance or memory hogging or something like that. I don't know if that's the question or if um, uh, because because in, in many of these apps, remember you're going to cache all these things anyway. So it's not like you're going to be making a lot of a zillion trips to get millions and millions of lines. You're mm-hmm. only going to have to pay that price perhaps once. Um, so uh, and you can maybe spread that out over time if you're smart about it. Uh, so uh, unless your concern is about the footprint of those lines of code. Um, if it's, if it's more about what the heck are all these lines doing, uh, I would suggest that that's not dissimilar to my, at least my ignorance about what all those lines are doing in my, uh, C sharp projects. And, and, uh, I hope they're adding value. If they're not, they should be out of there. I should get them out of there in, in C sharp and I should get them out of there in the JavaScript or just get more memory or get more memory. Uh, how big is that's the degrees
2: GS library? Uh, you mean
3: minified and zipped? Yeah. Uh, Uh, when it's when it's zip coming over it's about 25k okay so uh you know unfolded with all of its richness it's um there's a lot in there
2: Mm -hmm. in in part because we put a lot of comments in it but pat but the important part is that it packs down nicely for for transport and use yeah and and you know it's it's is it delivering the
3: value? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I'll take I'll take a one time hit mm-hmm. for something that's and giving G me a punch.
1: is
0: mm-hmm. not that lightweight either. No, yeah. no, they aren't. But All it's right. providing some value. Stuart has a follow up question. So yeah, to to focus my question a little more clearly, I mean, to to. I think the difference is if you're building a desktop app and .NET and it adds a million references, you're sort of oblivious to the cost because you assume the runtime's there. For things that we're doing in JavaScript, right? We had jQuery and Modernizer and, you know, a dozen or so apps. And it's not always clear to me that because they're from all these different sources that they're going to play nice together and it, so far, has struck me as being very hard to figure out when something is quirky. Why it's quirky? Like, the, the, I don't think there's a maturity around the debugging and and around underst- visualization of how these things are supposed to work together.
3: I think that's uh, a very fair comment. Uh, the maturity of the JavaScript space isn't anywhere near what the .NET space is. And 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 if if you told me I could write the app in .NET and reach every place I wanted to reach, mm-hmm. I would do that in a heartbeat. If you asked me how I would want to build my Windows Store app, I would say I want to do that in C Sharp and XAML. Really? Okay. I would say that. Um, uh, I don't know somebody else might feel differently, but I, I feel those are more mature platforms uh, uh but that isn't my choice. I don't always have that choice. Mm-hmm. The great news is that um the tooling, the debugging support, the libraries that people are doing, the 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 and also the culture around the expectations about what a good JavaScript library is these mm-hmm. days, much higher. We're not just scripting anymore. There are people with serious chops looking at this stuff and mm-hmm. saying you're either going to do it right or you're out of here. And there's very there's a great deal of criticism of libraries that
1: don't behave well. Are there any good tools that you could suggest uh, that uh, Stuart pick up for trying to figure out when things go wrong uh, on the on the, the debugging tools?
3: Well, I've actually become pretty impressed with Visual Studio, and it's evolving really, really well. It's uh, it's as a
1: JavaScript environment,
3: as a JavaScript environment, mm. as a debugging environment. You know, I'm able to do all those watches and conditional watches and pop those things up. Uh, especially if I have to go end-to-end to a server. The one downside is that it's kind of locked into IE. Um, that's the yep. only browser the I can debug into. But um, if you
1: have all the libraries but, and you want to see where the problem is... Uh, so, so yeah, when I'm stumped, yeah. I
3: definitely go that way. I like I like Chrome debugging tools. Those are the yep. ones that I'm familiar yep. with. People love Fire, Firebug. Firebug. Uh, you know, and all of them are maturing rapidly. Uh, but you could do a, he- you know, a heck of a lot worse than Visual Studio. The IntelliSense support is, mm-hmm. is really superb. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I know that people who are not in the .NET space are envious of what Visual Studio
2: can do. Yeah, yeah I've had that experience too. Uh, since we're in GitHub, let's finish with a couple of GitHub questions because the projects in GitHub. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of push requests? What's the interaction like? Uh, we're hoping to, to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people
3: are
1: still new to it. This is brand new stuff. Then
3: it yeah. it it is, and you know, isn't that our fate in? Yeah. In, um, In the world of uh, JavaScript libraries these days, it's like, have you heard about X? I mean, why aren't you using X? It was just released last night. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Come on. (laughs) So, how could you not know? It's like every
1: conversation I've ever had with Scott Hanselman. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, So, in our defense, I will say that uh, Breeze is the product of 10 years of work in a parallel space. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, So, if there's something wrong. It's going to be in the coding and not, not not so much in the design. Yeah. And I think all of us pretty much realize that. Co- code is actually relatively easy to fix. Design sure. is hard to fix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and also, this is a space in which um, we push really rapidly. Uh, you know, several releases a week is really quite common in this mm-hmm. world. So, and I don't consider that a, a bad thing. If you're an enterprise guy, you have to have cut points and say, you know, I've got to have discipline at these breakpoints. points. But uh, y- you can always peek ahead. It's very transparent. Um, GitHub has helped make the, the the world of JavaScript software development much more transparent, mm. and uh, I think we're all better
1: for it. Awesome. All right. Ward Bell, thank you very much. Let's give it up for Ward. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks! Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, PluralSight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. PearlSight.com. Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services at www.dotnetrocks.com.